This is the podcast for Signs of the Second Coming of Christ. In each episode, we attempt to answer common questions concerning the Second Coming and the Signs of the Times. We are your hosts, Landon Alley and Sean Bailey. Sean is the author of the book series, Chronological Signs of the Second Coming of Christ. Our goal with this podcast is to discuss the Second Coming in a way that's accessible, conversational, and faithful to Scripture. In addition to this power and this confidence and this faith that's bestowed upon the saints or faith turned into knowledge even yeah faith that's rewarded because they've they've had faith up until this point yeah but now it's rewarded with this humongous amazing experience in addition to all of that there's a very practical reason for adam and diamond when we talk about the judgment usually we think of a courtroom but judgment in the scriptures actually means much more than just that there, there may be some sort of courtroom style. I, I don't know how the courtrooms look in heaven, but there, <laughs> there may be some courtroom style thing where we come before the bar of God and, you know, we have to give an accounting. But there's another type of judgment that's extremely important in the scriptures, and that's the judgment that happens at the resurrection. When you are resurrected, your body is... The, ki- the kind of body you're resurrected with is a judgment in itself. Exactly right. If you receive a celestial body, guess what? You're going to the celestial kingdom. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, it's not a surprise right. at that point. Right. If you receive a terrestrial body or a telestial body, that's where you're going. There are no surprises after that point. Your body is the body that you will have forever. Right. So. And it's indicative of the kingdom that you live in. Exactly Right. Let me ask this question. I think you know the answer to this. When is the first resurrection going to happen? Is it going to happen after Christ comes and visits all flesh, or is it going to happen before that? I don't know if it's the final second coming where all flesh sees him, but isn't there something about him coming out of the clouds in glory and the saints rising up to meet him? Is that it? Yes. Let's clarify that a little. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Partial credit. I'll go for partial partial credit credit there. Partial credit. So that doesn't happen at the very final appearance of Jesus Christ. It says that when he appears to all flesh, the angels will be with him. They'll already be with him. Okay. Okay. So you have. So by that point, the first resurrection will have happened. Yeah. By that point, the first resurrection will have happened. Section 88 of the Doctrine and Covenants goes into this in a detailed way. It says that the morning of the first resurrection will occur first. And then those who are Christ's at his coming will be resurrected at the time of his coming. You have a first resurrection for those who will receive celestial bodies. And then you have a first resurrection for those who will receive terrestrial bodies. Those are you know, Latter-day Saint terms. But basically you have those who have made and kept those covenants and those who are good people who haven't made and kept those covenants. That's your distinction. In the church, we are much more liberal and much more kind to those who are not of our faith than a lot of other faiths are. (laughs) The Protestant world looks at those who are not Protestants as doomed for all time, doomed for eternity. We don't believe that. We believe that as in all things, there are degrees. 
we believe in the degrees of glory. So you'll have, just as you do with the final um, reward, the degrees of glory, you have degrees of resurrection. And those resurrections happen in a specific order. Alma says that the timing is known to the Lord, and it really doesn't matter to us so much what that timing is, because the Lord has it all set. He has it all set to go. When Christ appears and the judgment is set during Adam and Diamond, what that means for us is that we will know when that resurrection timing is going to be set. We will know the very moment when the judgment of resurrection will begin. And we know when it will end and we're able to prepare accordingly. So you have the first resurrection that will happen first, and then you have the afternoon of the first resurrection that will happen for those who are good people, who are millennial caliber, right? They're, they're able to live in a millennial world. And then at the very end of the millennium, you have the resurrection of those who are not of the good unjust. people, the, of the unjust. In Adam and Diamond, we have the judgment set, the judgment of the resurrection set, and the timing and the process of the resurrection will be set. Another thing that you see in Revelation is that the 144,000 oh, yeah. sealed in their foreheads will yeah, be heard, there. I've heard a lot about this, but I still, I still am not sure what it means. Yeah. Speculation like crazy out there in the world. Who are these people? What are they, what are they doing? What's their role? Again, you have to turn to Joseph Smith to get the real answer. And we do have section 77 that gives us a clue. It says that they are high priests and that they are ordained to minister to the inhabitants of the world. And in addition to that little idea that's really kind of vague in section 77, we also get another quote from Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith is adding on to the description that John the Revelator gives us in the book of Revelation, that these are people without guile, that they are pure, and that they are redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And they follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. So there's these ideas that they are really close to the Lord. Joseph Smith gives us this, and he's talking in this instruction about the quorum of the 70. And he says, if the first 70 are all employed and there is a call for more laborers, it will be the duty of the seven presidents of the first 70 to call and ordain other 70 and send them forth to labor in the vineyard. We've seen that there has been an expansion of the quorums of the 70 in our time. Mm -hmm. In fact, President Hinckley began adding quorums and he kept adding quorums until we now have eight quorums of 70. Joseph says, until if it needs be, they set apart seven times 70. So seven quorums of 70. Right now we're past that. Right. So let's, let's continue. And even until there are 144,000 thus set apart for the ministry. There you go. So who are the 144,000 that will be in attendance at Adam and Diamond and will be ministers to the earth to gather the elect? It will be quorums of the 70. It will be members of the 70 that will gather the elect, not just to Adam and Diamond, but to Zion. Is this including uh, Area 70s? 
It includes all 70s. Yeah, uh, well, I was going to say, that's one of the uh, callings of the church that is spread all throughout the church. There are 70s all over the world, so it makes sense that their role is to gather people to this meeting. And we don't have 144,000 of them yet, but according to Joseph Smith, those are the ones that the Lord has prepared to be able to gather. Now, to put that into perspective, right now we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80,000 missionaries, and we've never had over 100,000 missionaries at one time. Mm-hmm. There are not 100,070 yet, but at some point we're going to get to 144,070s that are those ministers to the world. One of the other things that that I've learned about Ottoman Diamond is that it'll be a sacrament meeting, won't it? That will partake of that ordinance with the Savior as well? Yeah, it's a really cool and meaningful account that Christ gives to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again with you until I drink it new with you in my kingdom. Mm. It was a promise that the Savior gave right at the very end of his life. And it was almost a, a comforting word before. Right. That this will happen again. Yeah. He instituted the sacrament with his apostles. And he's basically telling them, guys, this is, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this with me. You know, almost like comforting their souls. And then he says, don't worry. Pretty soon I'm not going to be with you to partake of the sacrament with you again. But this will happen again. When the kingdom has been established in the last days, when it's new again, I will do this again with you. And that is that theme, that idea is picked up again in section 27 of the Doctrine and Covenants, where the revelation is given to Joseph Smith about the sacrament. Now, the interesting thing about section 27 is that it was given in pieces. And Joseph Smith later on, by revelation, decides that these pieces belong together. This is something that needs to be said together. And so the first piece was about the sacrament and how you don't necessarily need to use wine when you're partaking of the sacrament. You can use water. That's okay. It can have that same symbolism. And then he also received a revelation about who will partake of the fruit of the vine with the Lord before the second coming, before that final appearance of the second coming. Right, right. So in the second piece of, of section 27, starting in verse 5, it says, Behold, this is wisdom in me. Wherefore, marvel, marvel not, for the hour cometh. Notice that he said the hour cometh and not the day. That's significant. I think in our past discussions, we've talked about how there will be a day of the Lord, a day right. of wrath. The seventh seal will be a, a day, right? right? Here, he doesn't say a day. The hour cometh. The hour cometh. The reason I point that out is because We're not talking about a seventh seal event here. We're talking about a sixth seal event. Mm -hmm. Adam and Diamond is supposed to happen during the sixth seal. So it says, when the hour cometh that I will drink of the fruit of the vine with you on earth, on the earth, and with Moroni, whom I have sent unto you to reveal the Book of Mormon, containing the fullness of my everlasting gospel. Again, going back to those books that we'll see at Adam and Diamond. To whom I have committed the keys of the record of the stick of Ephraim. And also with Elias, to whom I have committed the keys of bringing to pass the restoration of all things spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began concerning the last days. Do we know who this Elias is? 
I think the next verse gives us a clue about who he is. It says, and also John, the son of Zacharias, which Zacharias, he, and in parentheses it says Elias, he Elias visited and gave promise that he should have a son. Hmm. Who visited Zacharias in the temple? It was Gabriel. And Joseph Smith, by revelation, told us that Gabriel is Noah. Yeah. So Noah was the one who visited Zacharias in the temple and told him about his son who was going to be John the Baptist. And it says here in verse 7 that that is Elias. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the Elias who, to whom I have committed the keys of bringing to pass the restoration of all things, that is Noah or Gabriel. And then it says his name, he, this is the the revelation from Elias to Zacharias. It says, and his name should be John and he should be filled with the spirit of Elias. And the spirit of Elias according to Joseph Smith, is the spirit of preparation. It is a preparatory priesthood. It is a preparatory spirit. It is a mm. preparatory period right? so that you can receive the, the higher priesthood yeah. later on. So far, we have Moroni who will be there. Um, we have Joseph Smith who will be there who's receiving this revelation. We have Elias who we know is Noah. We have John the Baptist who will be there. And then it says, this John, which John I have sent unto you, my servants, Joseph Smith Jr. and Oliver Cowdery. So Oliver Cowdery will be there also to ordain you unto the first priesthood, which you have received that you might be called and ordained even as Aaron. And also Elijah. So Elijah will be there as well. Unto whom I have committed the keys of the power of turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers that the whole earth may not be smitten with a curse. And also with Joseph and Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, your fathers by whom the promises remain. And also with Michael or Adam, the father of all, the prince of all, the ancient of days. And also with Peter and James and John, whom I have sent unto you, by whom I have ordained you and confirmed you to be apostles and as special witnesses of my name, and bear the keys of your ministry and the same things which I have revealed unto them, unto whom I have committed the keys of my kingdom and a dispensation of the gospel for the last times, and for the fullness of times, in the which I will gather together in one all things, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. And also, and this is the final entry in the list, also with all those whom my father hath given me out of the world. So Enoch. So Enoch and hopefully us. <laughs> um, it's a it's a comprehensive, right. you know, collection of all, all those. Yeah. So that's the, the comforting part for us. Now, a lot of members of the church may feel inadequate and uh, unworthy and unprepared for that kind of event. And there's probably a little bit of wisdom in that. Uh, we want to be more prepared, as, as prepared as we can be for something as amazing as that. But we should also remember that we are the ones who have been ordained. We are the ones who have been washed clean. We are the ones who have received the true ordinances of the gospel. And if you need to repent, do so. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah. Turn back to the Lord and, and get yourself on track and you don't have to be at the end of the covenant path. You just yeah, have to per- be honest. Perfection isn't the bar here. Yeah. Yeah. And really, the only way that 
that you can be on the covenant path is by facing the Lord, turning to the Lord. It's the direction you're heading, right? Not where you are on the path. That's exactly right. Now, obviously, we want to have a lot of progression on that path. We want to get as far down the path as we can, get as much intelligence and righteousness as we can. But everybody is in a different place and at a different level. And you just have to be turned to the Lord and progressing to him to be on the covenant path. So if, if you're concerned that you're not on it, get on it. Right. It's that, that's, that's it. Just do it. (laughs) Um, and repentance is way simpler than I think we give ourselves credit for, or, or we give the Lord credit for. You just have to turn to him, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. It's, just that simple. Mm-hmm. So turn your hearts, turn your minds, turn your thoughts, turn your eyes to him. And you just may find yourself in a, in an amazing conference at Adam on Amen. Do we know anything about how we'll gather? I mean, a meeting that size, half or more of the attendees are coming from off the planet. You know, do we know anything about that? How are we going to gather? If it, is this going to be President Nelson or someone standing up and saying, if you're free, mark your calendars, gather in Missouri, that's going to be quite the exodus. There's a passage in Alma. He says, I have asked the Lord to reveal this unto me. And this is what I have. This is one of those things that I have asked the Lord to reveal unto me. And he hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm waiting on that one. But here's what I know so far. I know that there are lots of opinions and I know that none of them are satisfactory in my <laughs> mind. Okay. So here's, here's a couple of theories on that. The first theory is no, everybody will just show up. Everybody will just be there. We'll have a hundred million people gathered in this valley and that's it. And I, the reason that that's not satisfactory to me is because I've been there. I've been to this valley. And right now it consists of a couple of crossroads around the valley and farmland. Not much else. That's it. That's what we got. We got a farmhouse that the church maintains for the missionaries who take care of of the land. And that's it. I mean, there's some nice signs. There's a couple of rocks, maybe (laughs) some trees. Um, There is absolutely nowhere near the, the amount of Infrastructure. Infrastructure that is necessary for a gathering of 100 million people. And even if you say, well, that's an estimate. Okay. 10 million. (laughs) Um, Gathering 10 million people to anywhere is a huge undertaking. We're talking massive, massive infrastructure and preparation. Absolutely. Now, is the prophet capable of that? Sure. Is the church capable of building out that infrastructure? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't know how it will be done, right? So if we do say, okay, all these people are going to gather to Adam on Diamon and the infrastructure will be there. Great. Cars, airlines. Uh, housing. Housing, <laughs> trains, whatever it is that we're going to be using, it, it'll have to be built at some point. That's quite an undertaking. I mean, we're talking... The undertaking just to prepare for that and then the undertaking afterward is just going to be crazy. Now, all that being said, there are other theories that make this a little bit easier. But again, not satisfactory. 
because one of the theories is, oh, we'll just broadcast it. We'll just have everyone go to their stake center and everyone who has a temple recommend will be able to see it broadcasted from their stake center. Don't like that. Well, okay. So it, tell me, tell me why you what, sit t- right with me. Yeah. Tell me why, why it doesn't sit right for you. <laughs> I don't know. And then I'll give you what I got. I don't know. It feels very much like an in-person meeting. That kind of a theophany, I would hope that we could be there and not so, just like, I don't, I don't know. It just my it's my gut reaction, but man, I want to be there. I don't want to be on an uncomfortable pew. In this age of, of uh, Netflix, where we're stuck inside quarantined and, and forced to watch TV, not forced, okay. <laughs> um, but that's what we have. Even when we watch things that are really great, there's nothing quite like being yeah, there. Yeah, it's, right? it's not the experience. Um, I totally agree with that. But let's just follow this path for a second. Let's say that it is broadcast and that all the saints in the world can view it through satellite transmission to their stake center. Have you ever heard, not, not even just yourself experienced, but have you ever heard of angels appearing on TV? No. I haven't either. Like not even a single experience. And you know that there have been meetings where angels are present and maybe even the Lord himself. You know that there have been meetings that have been broadcast and that they are there. But I have never known anyone to have seen an angel through satellite transmission. (laughs) Um, We're talking about angels, okay? Much less the Ancient of Days and the Great Jehovah. And there'd be no way to like, if every stake center in the world was just showing this Adam on Diamond meeting on indiscreet, anyone wanders in or something, investigator wanders in, is this the right church building? Do you take visitors? And they see Adam on Diamond. It's kind of hard to draw the bar of worthiness to attend that meeting if everyone in the world can attend a broadcast of it. Well, let's say that they do. Let's say that the stake presidents throughout the world and the mission presidents throughout the world and the bishops throughout the world and the branch presidents throughout the world, they all appoint security and this thing is locked down. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> So you cannot get in. You have to have a temple recommend. All of that. Let's say that, that we go through all of that and it happens. All of those nightmare logistics. Uh, again, logistics are hard either way. Yeah. But let's say that we were able to get that done and we're able to broadcast live to the entire world. We have that capability. We're able to broadcast live to the entire world. And it's, it's on TV. It's on screen. Well, there is a huge hurdle to be able to experience Adam and Diamond in, in its, its fullness. You have to be able to see Adam, who is an angel, a, a resurrected, glorified being. You have to be able to see all of those in attendance, including Elijah and Elias. And uh, Gabriel also would be someone that, I mean, second after Adam, right? In the angel hierarchy. You have to be able to see these people in order to be able to experience Adam on Diamond. Otherwise... Let alone Christ. Let alone Christ, yeah. If you don't have those capabilities coming through the broadcast, why even be there? All right, well, we'd like to turn the time over now to Noah, who is Gabriel, to uh, give our opening talk. And you're on broadcast and you're like, I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. What's going on? Also, it's a sacrament meeting. And it's a sacrament meeting, right? Which is a very in-person ordinance. One of the things that would have to happen if that's the case 
is we would have to have a system somehow that is able to broadcast spiritual events as well as physical events. Bonneville distribution needs some better cameras. Right. How do you equip a camera to be able to record angels? <laughs> now, to take this even further, and we're going to get off topic quickly if, if we go too far, but if you take this a little further, let's say that that is the goal. That That's what we want to do. We want to make these events broadcastable to the world. Okay, so... We have had lenses into spiritual things in the past in, in history. We've had the Urim and Thummim, the seer stone, the eyes of prophets that have been able to see those things that natural eyes cannot see. So is it possible for us to somehow ask the Lord to give us lenses to be able to see these things? There's nothing impossible with the Lord. But the idea seems almost irreverent in a way where we're saying, okay, let's equip these cameras with seer stones. Let's equip these cameras with um, stones that have been touched by the finger of the Lord or lenses that have been touched by the finger of the Lord or some sort of Urim and Thummim. The, the whole entire idea seems almost irreverent yeah. because this is, like you said, it's such a personal thing and a personal event that to be there would be an irreplaceable thing. You, you can't, yeah, you agree. can't not be there. Right. I agree. So logistically we got some difficulties. The Lord doesn't work in miraculous means when we have practical means to get it done. So are we going to have to do some building? Probably. Let me end on one final thought. Earlier this year, Elder Bednar had a meeting with uh, it was a meeting called Meet a General Authority, and he had a meeting with several seminary teachers. And in that meeting, he was teaching them about personal revelation. One of the things that came up was how during the tenure of President Nelson, a lot of people have said, wow, there's so much revelation going on right now. It's amazing. And they're overwhelmed by how many things are changing and, and how much is going on. Elder Bednar said, and he clarified this, he said, brothers and sisters, and I'm paraphrasing, brothers and sisters, that's not how it works. He said, these things are revealed decades in advance. There are some of the changes that we've made recently that have been in the works for decades. He said, a good example of that is when President Hinckley got up in conference and told everyone about small temples and how we were going to have 100 temples by the end of the year 2000. He said, you have to understand President Hinckley's history. He was part of the temple committee in the 50s when they were trying to figure out how to have temple ordinances in multiple languages in Europe. Right. They were building the Swiss temple, and they needed a way to figure that out. He was part of the temple committee in the 70s and in the 80s. When he was a, a, an apostle, he was part of the first presidency, most of, part of the 70s, all of the 80s, all the 90s. Like he was part of the first presidency during that whole entire time. And one of the things he did constantly was deal with temples. Elder Bednar said, the idea for a smaller temple did not come to President Hinckley a couple of months right. before he announced it in conference. Right. The idea for a smaller temple was probably on his mind for decades. 
It was just a matter of when. When he received the revelation, the smaller temple idea was not the revelation. This was what Elder Bednar said. The revelation was by the end of the year 2000. Mm. When is the bigger question for those who are in charge of the church? The what has been known for a long time. And he said, for us personally, we need both, of course, but we should pay specific and particular attention to the when. When does the Lord want me to do this? And so when it comes to Adam on Dayaman, the what has been figured out, I'm almost positive, for a long time. Now, I haven't seen the binder. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the plans. I haven't seen the blueprints. But I'm almost positive that the what has been figured out for a very long time. It's just a matter of when. There may be some details here and there that are still in the works. But when? When mm. do we do it? When is the Lord going to say, now is, is the time. Mm. Let's go do this thing at Adam on Diamond. Yeah. I believe that all of these grand works and these, um, these important events of the second coming that involve the saints have been thought through very carefully by the prophets so far. And there may be some that they are unclear on and revelation is ongoing, of course. But I think a lot of it has to do with when. Yeah, and that makes sense. until we know the when, that's when you hear apostles constantly saying, well, we don't know the day or the hour, but eventually they will know the day or the hour. Right. Well, I'm very excited. I hope I get to be there. I plan on living my life so I can be there. <laughs> it's more of a decision than a, a chance, I guess. But. Yeah, decide. Decide now. Decide today that you will be there. You'll be, uh, you'll be worthy of it. And then the invitation will come. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, Sean has authored a book series called Chronological Signs of the Second Coming of Christ. Volume 1 is about the sixth seal, and Volume 2 is about the seventh seal. Go to seanswork.com signs to find show notes for this episode and links to purchase the books. This podcast is not an official production of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but we faithfully sustain and support the church, its leaders, its teachings, and the scriptures, including the Bible and the Book of Mormon.